Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick. Well, my first guest this week used his own personal experience as a catalyst for developing a bespoke sensory hub. David McIntyre from Cubby Sensory Hub joins us now to discuss this innovation. David, start by providing us with an insight into your own career. Well, I, I, I'm dyslexic. Uh, I was born that way. I struggled through education and uh, left school at uh, 16 and uh, became a, a, got an apprenticeship as a toolmaker. Um, a couple of years after that, I was very lucky. The technology was changing and uh, soon I found myself in 3D programming and 3D design. And that got me a great job in Waterford Stanley, which is a, a stove in, uh, uh, manufacturer down there in Waterford City. And I got a great training in, in not only design, but engineering as a whole. And so that's where I come from, I guess. I'm, I'm a mechanical design engineer at this stage. So looking back, David, how did that dyslexia actually affect your education? I always felt that I was uh, a little different, if you like. I wasn't quite up to speed with my reading, for instance, or uh, speaking or pronunciation of words was very difficult for me at a young age. My maths was quite good, however, but I found in secondary school that the advancements, uh, the pace, uh, I was soon falling farther and farther behind the classroom. And uh, when I got the opportunity to go for the apprenticeship, I grabbed it. You know, I had more hands-on kind of knowledge and hands-on learning, if you like. And the school didn't really cater to that at the time. It's changed a lot since then, but at the time, dyslexia wasn't really supported. And like many great ideas that have gone before you, it was your own personal experience which triggered the idea for the Cubby Sensory Hub. Yes, um, five years ago, my youngest daughter was diagnosed as autistic. And uh, myself and my wife uh, were, were attending early bird courses, they were called at the time. I'm not sure what they're called now, but... The, we got education of, of what to look out for and what to expect and uh, it was very um, very worrying time for us I must say there was a lot of pressure on us and there was a, there was a good mix of parents there there was parents with teenage uh, uh, children and there was parents there as young we were probably the youngest children there with two and a half years of age when we got the diagnosis or Ava got the diagnosis um, and it was actually through that course that we found the barriers facing children with autism in education. And I guess it kind of got me a bit, um, it reminded me maybe of my own experience in, in education, uh, the barriers that I faced. And I, I, I kind of take the decision to try to solve the problem. Now, it didn't happen overnight, but it was, it was certainly something that I was, I was keen to resolve if I could. And of course, we're hearing lots about sensory rooms being introduced into school environments over recent years. Maybe for those that haven't been familiar with sensory rooms or haven't had the need to use them in the past, that you could provide us with an insight into them and what they're used for. Yeah, I've done a lot of research. When we started this journey, I, I was actually asked to design a sensory room for a school. And uh, I've done a lot of research in sensory rooms. And what, 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 what sensory rooms do is, is they kind of calm or alert the person, depending on need. Um, so some children with, aut- with sensory processing disorder or issues, uh, which is a, is a comorbid with autism, ADHD, etc., they need to be alerted or calmed depending on their uh, sensory type. So, for instance, if, if a child is overstimulated and you put them into a sensory room, I found that sometimes that sensory room would actually overstimulate them or exaggerate the problem. Uh, and so what I try to do is find a system that would 
adapt automatically, if you like, to the child's needs. And that's where the idea really came from for Cubby. It's is a, is a safe space that actually adapts to the each, each person on their individual level, if you like. So how does that work then from a practical perspective? Well, practically, a sensory room is, is, um, is usually lights. It, it can be music. It can be uh, visuals. Um, it can be soft. It can be tactile. Um, and, what, and what you do is you use a combination of those um, to uh, either stimulate or, or um, to alert, as we say, or to calm. So music has, the beats per minute, for instance, has a big emphasis on the music, and we carefully select that music to make sure that it's, it's actually low beats per minute, or if we want to alert the child, we might use a higher beat per minute. The visuals, again, is the same selection process, fast moving against slow moving, and then the lights uh, and, the, uh, and the seat, again, play a part. Um, we, we have four different kinds of seats in, in the cubby, and the idea, again, is that our occupational therapist picks the right kind of movement and the right kind of seat for that experience. So talk to us about the research and the science behind the model. There is a lot of research to be done in, in this area. Uh, there's, there is research uh, done, but uh, we are actually driving our own research now. Uh, the research we did at the beginning of this was airs, for instance, of the four sensory types. And uh, that was the first clue that we got that sensory rooms can't adapt uh, quickly to the four different sensory types without an expert user. And of course, the problem then is that schools, <laughs> they don't have that expert user or, or they don't have the training to use it. Um, and then we're looking at different ones about uh, the individualized approach. There was some research coming out of Canada that showed that a person, uh, only one person should be in the sensory room at the time. And so that we designed our product then so that it accommodates one person at a time, if you like. And again, it's to get the best possible individualized experience from the session as possible. Other research showed that, that sensory rooms can become um, an area where the person is in there for an indefinite amount of time. So we've heard uh, our research show that um, students could spend up to an hour or two in a sensory room. So we, we decided that we looked at the research showed that 10 to 15 minutes of regulation was what's really needed. So Cubby itself is timed, and the idea is a scheduled. Again, <laughs> more research shows that the scheduling approach of it uh, can preempt and prevent the sensory overloads happening in the first place. So when you go to design an absolute Cubby sensory hub within a school environment, talk us through the design process. So... When we started this, there was a couple of elements on the design process that, that I, I, I approached it with, with my own experiences. Um, number one is it, it, universal design is very important. So you want to create a product that, uh, which, which uh, affects or helps as many people as possible, especially when you're starting from scratch, and that's what we did. Uh, so what I wanted to do was create a product that's followed my child's life journey, Okay. Uh, and that starts in, in, in primary school, but it ends up in, in third-level college and even work. So the first thing that I wanted to do was remove any kind of stigma that might be attached to a, a sensory room by creating a modern uh, contemporary design. Uh, the next thing I wanted to do was make it accessible as to as many people as possible. So we followed the guidelines of the Irish Wheelchair Association on their design. So, you know, wheelchair accessibility, etc., and then we looked at who's going to be using this product. 
And uh, we, we decided that from an early stage that we wanted everybody to use this. So from the person that has the highest need to the person that might have a low need. And the person with the highest need might, uh, be, might need a very robust uh, structure. And we built it out of steel, of course, so that it would be that robust structure. So Clubby became a universally designed space, if you like, that catered to as many people as possible and was accessible as possible. So you've taken the physical sensory room concept and you've overlaid that then with a level of technology. So talk to us about how that actually works. There's a couple of steps needed. So when they, the school themselves, um, they, they identify whether the student needs a sensory break or not. Um, they fill out a, a, an online pro, uh, form uh, uh, that uh, has sensory triggers, for instance. What does a sensory overload look like? It looks for timings and it looks like the effects of it. Uh, that information then is is uh, put in front of our occupational therapist who assesses the need of that person and then creates sensory experiences. Uh, so lights, music and visuals that they know will work in this particular case and also what type of seating and then the time to give that break. And what, uh, what happens is actually we have, we have programs where we alert a student in the morning because they might be at uh, low and in the afternoon they might be overstimulated and we might have a second program then that actually calms them down. Uh, and our, uh, they, that ability to regulate the person throughout the day is what has given us our um, great, it's given us the great results uh, and, and being able to measure that of course is, is key to it. And are you finding any demand to install these sensory hubs within their own home environments or even indeed in other locations outside of schools? We're focused on education at the moment. Um, it's, it's probably my passion is to, is to help uh, people get through the education system. And, and the effects of that are huge. You know, more people in employment, better health outcomes, better life um, expectancy. Everything goes up if we can... Uh, deliver education to people. Um, what's happening lately with Cubby is, or should I say from the very beginning, we had a Viva Stadium put in a Cubby, for instance, to support people who wanted to participate in the crowd. Not, I know they're putting in sensory rooms now in stadium and it's great, but if you want to participate in the crowd, Cubby is the right solution, for instance, because you get regulators, therefore you can return to the real experience of the match. Then we have hospitals have bought Cubbies, we have libraries now. We've put in. We've just, just visited two libraries today. Actually, they're putting in cubbies, and uh, what we're finding is that people are really more educated now than when we maybe started this program. Um, that people are more aware now of what people with neurodiversities need to be able to support their inclusion in in the community. You know, so I, we're we're starting to think about cubby hub as as a kind of a community centre, if you like, more so than just an individualised experience in a school. What are your ambitions for the Cubby Sensory Hub going forward? Well, you know, it's, it's amazing what's happening uh, lately, um, uh, success overnight after five years. But it, it's, what's happening now is we're getting inquiries from America. Uh, we just got an inquiry there from Canada, for, for, for instance. Um, so this, this is really a universal product for everywhere. It, it's not just a, a problem to be solved here in Ireland. Uh, we were already selling into the UK. We started um, opening up customers there last year. 
uh, and it looks like there's a, a high demand in the UK for for this solution. Um, and uh, we're hoping that as we move forward, we'll be into America and a pan-European is, is kind of the, the ambition. And have you, at this stage, got any independent research done on the Cubby Hub to be able to prove independently the results from it? Well, this is where we're moving towards now. We, we think that this needs to be studied uh, and we're, we're in nearly very early talks with NUIG and GMIT to do some studying for us. And we're looking at the University College London as well, where the CRAE, which is the Centre of Research in Autism and Education, are, uh, we're in early talks with them as well to do some research part in there. So, in fairness, the, the innovation that we have created is research-led and we see the see research as the core component to our future success. Well, if you've just tuned in, that was David McIntyre, and I'd like to congratulate David for developing the Cubby Sensory Hub, a product which will benefit so many children in Ireland and beyond. Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick.